Good morning and welcome back. I hope you have had a good week and I'm glad you can join us this morning. I wanted to give a special thanks to Hannah Lipscomb who uh, painted this picture for me, this little Jesus artwork that I've got hanging on the wall. You also may have noticed in the last couple of weeks there was a picture of, of Calvary with the three crosses there. That picture was painted uh, by Brandon Wilson. And I want to tell you that if you've got a picture that you want to paint or color or, or any kind of artwork that you want to uh, use to glorify the Lord and you want it to be displayed here behind me, we'll send it to us. You can mail it to Enterprise Baptist Church, 3601 Lower Liberty Gloucester Road, Liberty, Mississippi, 39645. If you have anything you want to send in, we'd be glad to get it, and I'll be glad to display it behind uh, so that everybody can see uh, all the beautiful things that everyone is making. All right, we're going to get this service kicked off this morning with a little music, so I want you to sit back and just worship the Lord over these next few minutes. Old country church, 
there with mother and that as our son businessman when we meet at the old country church precious years of memory oh what joy they bring to me I long once more to be with my friends at the old
you have a Bible this morning and would like to follow along, we're going to be in Psalm 40. Over the last few weeks, we've covered Psalm 37, 38, and 39. And all of those three psalms were very similar in what David was going through. David was going through a difficult time. Now, we don't know exactly what was the cause of the situation that David was in, but uh, he was really struggling. Physically, his body was in bad shape. There were enemies who were coming against him. And David had said in those psalms that it was a result of his sin. It was something that he had done that had gotten him in this situation. He had even said in the last couple of psalms that we looked at that he felt like death was upon him. He felt like the end of his days were near. And uh, he was still seeking the Lord in this time. He still had faith in the Lord. He still trusted in the Lord, even though uh, he felt as though the things that were happening to him were a result of his sin. Uh, he didn't blame God for that. He knew God was right in what he was doing, and he had faith in the Lord, and he trusted the Lord through it. Now, as we pick up Psalm 40, the first half of the psalm is a little different than the second half of the psalm. The second half of the psalm is similar to what we've seen in the last three chapters. So we won't talk about that too much because uh, we've already discussed a lot of that in detail in the last uh, three psalms. You can go back and find those online if you'd like to look at them or listen to them. Uh, so we'll read the whole psalm, but we're really just going to kind of focus on the first half of the psalm today instead of the second. It almost seems as though maybe this psalm should be switched around, that the last few verses should be at the top and the first few verses should be at the end. Uh, that's usually the way things are laid out, uh, and particularly in the Psalms. We see uh, tough things that are talked about and, and maybe grieving and, and sorrow that's going on, uh, but then it ends with praise. But this Psalm is backwards in that, uh, well, I won't say backwards, but it's different from the rest in that it starts with praise and then it ends with kind of going back over the difficulties of the situation that David is in. So, let's pray. Then we'll read through the text and see what God has to say to us. God, we come to you and I thank you for these good words. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move in each one's heart that's listening today. God, sometimes your words are tough and sometimes there are things we don't understand. But help us to understand the best we can what we see. And God, help us to have faith in you and trust you even in the things we may not understand. Help me to do a good job to, to present your word and to preach and teach it in a way that's going to be clear and easy for your people to understand. And God, I pray that you just bless the few minutes we have today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, Psalm 40, starting in verse 1. For the choir director, a Davidic psalm, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate place, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. How happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things, your wonderful works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, See, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of the scroll. I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. I proclaim your righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. 
I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My sins have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to deliver me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who seek to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish to harm me be taken back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, Aha, aha, be horrified because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, The Lord is great. I am afflicted and needy. The Lord thinks of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. Now, the end of this psalm is very similar to the last three psalms that we've read. As I mentioned, David is talking about his sins are heavy upon him. Uh, they're, they're countless. They're greater than the, the hairs on his head. And he feels the pressure and the weight of his sin and the Lord uh, pressing down on him. And he is uh, really in a difficult situation. Now, if you want to hear more about what David was going through and my thoughts on that in the, the previous chapters, go back and listen to those things. But let's focus on the top half of this psalm today. Now, we saw at the very end, he does offer the Lord praise. He does praise the Lord and seek the Lord for help. And that's really what the beginning part of this psalm talks about as well. Now, in verse 1, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. Now, David is still crying out to the Lord, even though he knows he's a sinful man, even though all that's going on in his life, he's still crying out to the Lord. He's still waiting patiently on the Lord. David trusts the Lord. We see that here in these first few verses. He says, He brought me up from a desolate plate, or excuse me, from a desolate pit, and out of muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. So David was in a place of despair, and he describes that as a muddy place, a desolate pit. Now, if you've ever uh, stepped in a mud puddle or tried to get out of a big mud puddle, you know that that's a difficult thing to do, because when you step in mud, you begin to sink. You can't uh, find any traction. You don't have anything you can push on. If you begin to try to walk through or, or, or climb out of a mud hole or climb up a muddy bank in whatever way it may be that you're trying to get out of the mud, you find quickly that your feet slip. There's no traction there. You slip, you slide, you fall, you sink. Now, that's what being in the mud is like. And David is describing his situation is like being in the mud. In his life, he is slipping, he is sinking, and he attributes this to his sin. Now, this is a theme that we've seen over the last few chapters. David has sinned. We know that through the life of David. We see that throughout Scripture. David had sinned greatly against the Lord, and he knows that it's because of his sin that these things are happening to him now. And so he's in this muddy pit. He's in this desolate place. He's in a place of despair. But he says, the Lord lifted him out of that and set his feet on the rock where his steps would be secure. Now, there's a big difference between being in the mud and between being on the rock. When you're on a rock, when you're on a firm place, you're on a high place usually when you're on a rock. You're on a place that cannot be shaken. It cannot be broken. It's a place that you are secure. That's far different than the description of the mud that we've just seen. And David says here, look, I'm calling out to the Lord. I'm seeking the Lord. And when I call out to him, when I seek him, 
The Lord helps me. The Lord brings me out of my despair. He puts me on a rock. He's giving David the strength to get through all the things that are coming down on him in his life. In verse 4, he says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So in the last few chapters, we've really seen David just kind of pouring his heart out and grumbling and, and groaning in the, the pain that he's experiencing. But here in this verse, he says, God put a new song in my mouth. Now, our tune changes, so to speak, when God begins to work in our life and begins to show us light and begins to give us security and begins to show us that he's there with us in the midst of our struggles. Now, I say with us in the midst of our struggles because oftentimes God doesn't take us out of our troubles. There are sometimes that there are things that are going on in our life that are consequences of something we've done, and sometimes God takes us and delivers us from that, but sometimes he doesn't. But he's always there with us whether he delivers us from it or not. God is always there with us, and he was there with David, and he put a new song in David's mouth. Uh, you may have heard the song before, The Eyes on the Sparrow. Uh, the lyrics to that song go, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Now that's what happens in our life when God begins to work and our hearts are changed and we know God is with us and God has forgiven us and God is going to strengthen us and, and deliver us. When we know that in our life, boy, there's a burden that's lifted. There's a, there's a hope that comes into us that says, okay, you know what? I've done some horrible things. I may have sinned in the past. I'm in this situation. All these things are coming at me, even if it's not a result of my sin. Sometimes hard things come and press down on us, but when we know the Lord is there, boy, there's a new song in our heart when our heart is trusting in the Lord. And we sing a better song. We sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free. Now, David, he was not free from his situations, but he was free in the Lord. He wasn't going to let his situation overwhelm him, even though it was because of his sin. He knew he was going to rejoice in the Lord, that ultimately God was going to deliver him of his situation. He was either going to deliver him through his death, or he was either going to deliver him by letting him, uh, letting him overcome the, 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 the sickness that was in his body, the, the sores and things that were on his body, or the enemies that were coming against him. God would, would either deliver him from those things, or deliver him by taking him out of this world. Either way, David knew that the Lord would deliver him. He trusted in the Lord, and that's what faith is. And he sung a new song. He was happy, and he was free. Had his situation changed? Nope. We see at the end of this passage, it seems as though his situation was still just as bad. But even still, David said, look, I'm going to trust you, Lord. He still had some, some peace and some, and some safety and security in his life. It says at the end of that verse, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Now, as a result of David rejoicing in the Lord and the new song that he was going to sing, people were going to see that and they were going to fear and trust the Lord. Now, fear is a good thing and a bad thing. It depends on uh, what kind of fear we're talking about and, and what that fear makes us do or not do. So there are some things in life that we need to do and we are too afraid to do things that we should do. And that fear is a debilitating fear, like a deer in the headlights. We just don't know what to do and we don't do anything, even the things we should do. There are some fears that are, 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 are disabling to us, things that the devil 
uh, may put into our mind fears that, oh, you can't do this to serve the Lord, or you can't do that, or you can't do this good thing that God wants you to do because you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're just an old sinner, God couldn't use you, or, or whatever it may be that the devil has a fear in your life. There are some things in life that are good godly things that the devil makes us fear. He makes us fear that we are not good enough or that we can't trust the Lord enough to do what he's calling us to do. Well, that type of fear is a bad type of fear. Fear that keeps you from living freely in the Lord and doing what the Lord may call you to do, that's not a good fear. We shouldn't give in to those fears. But there is a good fear too. A fear of a fire, for instance. If you make a campfire, boy, the heat's really hot. If you get too close to that fire, uh, you may burn yourself. Just a few weeks ago, we were roasting some hot dogs. Well, you want to get your hot dog there close in the fire because you want it to get roasted. But you don't want to get too close into the fire because if you get too close, well, you'll burn your hot dog up. Or even worse, you may burn yourself. So there's a certain fear there that's healthy for us, a fear of fire knowing that it may harm us. And so that fear helps us to maybe take an extra step back to keep us safe. Now, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to fear the Lord and recognize who the Lord is, that he is the all-powerful God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that one day he will judge all things. And he's a righteous judge, and there will be no sin that will go unpunished. And David says here, look, when I begin to sing my new song, people will hear that, and they'll see that, and they will fear the Lord. And fear of the Lord is a good place to be. Because when we fear the Lord, we will be reverent to the Lord. We will listen to the Lord. We will recognize who the Lord is. We don't necessarily fear the Lord because we fear that he will uh, strike us dead at any moment because of sin we've committed, although he could do that. I don't think that's the type of fear that we are necessarily to have of the Lord. But we should have a fear of the Lord knowing that he is God and he is in control and that he does not take sin lightly. We see that here in David's life, and you may have experienced it in your life. And God will one day deal with sin. But praise the Lord through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins. Sin was dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ when Jesus gave his life for us. Sin was dealt with in that day. The price of sin had been paid, and forgiveness of sin can be had through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. If we seek him for our forgiveness. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus and the price of your sin hasn't been covered by the blood of Jesus, then one day you're going to stand uh, uh, before God, and boy, that's going to be a fearful day. Because we'll have to answer for all those sins if we don't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But if we do trust Jesus, our sins will be forgiven. David said, look, I sung a new song about the Lord, how good he was, what was going on, and he said, people will see it, and people will fear the Lord. And what will happen after they fear the Lord? They will put their trust in the Lord. Well, that's exactly what the proverb says. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. David said, look, when people see uh, what I'm doing and they see what's going on in my life, they'll fear the Lord and they'll trust the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. And we need to remember that in our life, that Look, we need to remember who God is and we need to look at these words of David and see what's going on in his life and hear what he's saying and say, look, okay, I recognize who you are, Lord, and I'm going to trust you. He had faith in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. Verse 4 says, How happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Now, 
I've said it time and time again that David continued to trust the Lord as we saw in the last verse and we see in this verse. Well, he's singing because he's happy. He's rejoicing in the Lord. Why is he happy? Because he trusts in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord will be happy because they will know the Lord is with them and will deliver them. Those who trust in the proud, that is, they don't trust in the world, they trust in other people, they trust in the things of the world, well, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to rejoice because there's no deliverance for them. If they put their trust and their faith in those things, there won't be any deliverance. Let's read in verse 5. Lord my God, you have done many things, your wonderful works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. Now here we see evidence that David is trusting in the Lord. He's rejoicing in all the Lord has done. It's more than David can even speak of the greatness of the Lord. Now here's a man who has sinned greatly and is suffering the consequences for that sin, but even still he trusts the Lord through all that's going on. He hasn't turned his back on the Lord. He didn't say, well, I'm a sinner and God is good and I'm just going to do what I want to do because that's what I want to do and God's going to love me anyway. That's not the heart that David has. David has a repentant heart, a heart that still trusts in the Lord in everything that is going on. And we need to recognize that point because we did see David do some horrible things in Scripture. And you can go back and study the life of David and see what he did in his life. David did some bad things, but those things are not what defined him. Those things were, were, were bad things, but it was the Lord that defined David's life. And in Scripture, even in the New Testament in Hebrews, it was David's faith that, that defined David's life, not David's failures. Let's read a little further. Verse 6. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Now, this is similar to what we see uh, later on in Psalm 51. David recognizes what God really desires. Now, God had given the instruction for the people to give these different offerings and sacrifices uh, for atonement of their sin, but that's not really what God desired. Those things were never going to be sufficient. We see that spelled out for us in the book of Hebrews. The blood of bulls and goats were never going to be sufficient to cover the sins of the people. What God really wanted was not David to offer him some sacrifice. He could have offered him sacrifices all day. You and I could burn sacrifices to the Lord all day, but that's not really what the Lord wants. That's not what, that's not what is pleasing to the Lord. What is pleasing to the Lord is our hearts coming to him and putting our faith and trust in him. Let's read Psalm uh, 40, uh, excuse me, 51. Psalm 51 verse 16 and 17 says, You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering. Well, that's similar to what we just saw in this Psalm 40 that we just read. But listen to what David says after this. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. So what God really desires for us is a heart that's humbled before him, is a heart that's seeking him and listening to him and trusting him. And that's what David had. David wasn't just offering the Lord burnt offerings. He wasn't just offering the Lord lip service. Here we see a man whose heart was really set on repentance. He was really grieving over his sin, but he was praising the Lord all the while. He was trusting the Lord and putting his faith in him, saying, okay, Lord, whatever happens in my life, 
I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to rejoice because you're with me. I'm going to rejoice because of all you've done, because you're worthy of our praise, because I can't even speak of all the greatness that you've done. And God, I'm going to rejoice in you. Others are going to see this, and they're going to trust in you because they're going to see how great you are, even in my current situation. So David here is a man who's exhibiting a heart that, that we should exhibit. Should we follow David's pattern of sin? Absolutely not. Should we say, well, David sinned and he got away with it? Well, no, I don't think he did get away with it. If you think David got away with it, then you haven't read enough of Bible, the Bible because David suffered greatly because of his sin. And there are many other people in Scripture who suffered greatly because of their sin as well in the Old Testament, even men and women of God. And so David didn't get away with anything here. Uh, he was being punished because of uh, the sinfulness in his life, but he, he had turned from that. He had repented of that. He didn't desire to continue to live in that sin and say, okay, I'm going to live in that sin, God, you just forgive me anyway. But instead, he recognized the error of his ways. He feared the Lord, and he said, let me turn from my sin and trust in the Lord. And that's the example in David's life that you and I need to follow. Well, we need to learn from his faith, not his failures. Now, it may be reassuring for us to look at a story like this and say, boy, David was a pretty rough guy, and God still spared him. God still delivered him when David repented and called out to him. And that gives us hope because we're sinful people too, and we do sinful things. And God will forgive us if we turn to him and repent and call out to him. It doesn't mean that everything will be okay. We see that in David's life, at least not in a worldly sense, but it does mean that if we call out to the Lord with our heart, he will hear and he will forgive us and he will be with us in whatever we're going through. Let's read a little further. Verse 7, Then I said, See, I have come. It is written about me in the volume of the scroll. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly what David had in mind when he wrote these words. I'm not sure exactly what he meant and what the application would be for this verse in, in, in David's life. There is a greater application than what we see here, though, and that's found in Hebrews chapter 10, because this verse is quoted as speaking about Jesus. Now, this verse would make sense when we look at it and we think about it maybe speaking of Jesus in this way. It may make more sense to us than thinking about it speaking of David in this way. Uh, but no doubt this verse was pointing us to Jesus. It had a greater application than whatever the application would have been in David's life. And it says in verse 8, I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. Now, that's a key thing we need to take away from this passage. David, he desired to do God's will. He delighted to do God's will. And God's people desire and delight in doing God's will. Those, those of us who really seek the Lord and really want to do God's will, well, well, we probably will. It doesn't mean that we won't fail sometimes because there are times that we are going to sin. But the difference between the, 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 the godly person who sins and the person who doesn't know God or care about God or follow God in sins is they don't care when they sin. If we are a child of God, there should be a deep desire within us to do what is good. Now, if you're a Christian and you're watching this, you know what I'm talking about. You have that desire. You want to do what is right. You want to do what is good. But you don't always do it. 
Paul says that in, in Romans. He says, look, it's like a war raging against me. I want to do what's good, but sometimes I find myself doing what's bad. Well, as Christians, sometimes we fail, sometimes we sin, but we don't desire to sin. We don't say, well, I'm just going to sin and be happy and everything's going to be good. I'm going to go on my way and I'm a Christian after all and God still loves me and it's okay for me to sin. Well, if you have that, if you have that mindset and that attitude, I'll tell you that's not a Christian mindset and attitude. Now, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. You may or may not be a Christian. I don't know your heart. But I'm telling you that that's not the heart that God would desire you to have. If you're really His and you've put your faith in Him, that's not the heart that God wants you to have. He doesn't want you to have a heart that dwells and desires to sin. He wants you to have a heart that desires to follow after Him. Now, as Christians, there are probably many of you watching this and you greatly desire to follow after God. And sometimes you fail. Sometimes you don't follow after God. Sometimes you give in to your temptations and your desires. Now, the question is, how do you feel after you do that? Well, do you care or do you not care? Sometimes people say, well, I don't care. God's good. God's going to forgive me. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Well, will God forgive you if you come to him with all your heart and seek him and ask him to forgive you? Absolutely he will. But your sin is a big deal. There should be some conviction in our life. If we're a child of God and we sin, we shouldn't just say, oh, well, I've sinned. I'm on my way. There should be conviction there. And if you're a child of God and you sin and do something that you desperately don't want to do and then all of a sudden you just give in in a moment of weakness and do it, well, if you're really a child of God and you really are trying to live for him, chances are, boy, you are going to feel convicted of what you've done. You are not going to be able to rest. You're going to feel the weight and the burden of that sin pressing down on you. You're going to feel just like David has felt in these previous Psalms that we've looked at. You are not going to be able to, to rest because your sin will eat away at you. Now that's, that's the response that we should have if we're really a child of God and and we sin, it should convict us. There should be something in our life that says, man, I don't, I shouldn't have done that. Now, we don't wallow in that, in that shame and guilt. We can't let that uh, just get us down and keep us down. The devil would like to let it keep, uh, keep us down forever and say, boy, you're, you're worthless and God doesn't care and God will never forgive you and you've really blown it. Now, that's what the devil wants you to think. When that conviction comes, don't, don't uh, just, just give up. But acknowledge what you've done and say, okay, God, I feel the, I feel the burden of my sin. I, I feel the guilt of that and the shame of that. And God, I ask you to forgive me. And God, I repent. I'm turning from that. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to seek you and do your will and not do that anymore. And God will forgive you of that. There may be some consequences of that sin. Sure, there may be. But God will be with you and he will help you and he will forgive you of that. And you can bank on that because scripture tells us that. But if you sin and sin and sin, and you feel no conviction and you don't care, and say, oh, God, good, he's just going to forgive me, then, man, you need to read the Bible a little more. You need to see that that's not the heart that God would desire for you to have. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, and verse 18, I believe, it begins to talk about those who, who don't really care about God's word, who live foolishly, who live in sin. Their hearts are hardened and they don't turn from their way. But then Paul says, but you're not like that. Those of you who have heard of Jesus Christ, you're, uh, you're new, you're different, you've been changed. Your desires have changed, he says. You don't desire the things you used to desire, but once we come to Christ, our, our desires should be on things that he wants. 
Do you desire to do good? Well, if you're his, you should desire to do good. Will you fail sometimes? Yes, you will fail sometimes. But God will forgive you of that if you come to him. If you sin all the time and you say you're a child of God and you don't care about it, then you really need to spend time looking at your heart. You need to examine yourself. You need to check yourself. You need to be in God's word and say, do I care? Do I care that I'm just doing things my way or do I want to do things God's way? Because when we put our trust in God, our desire should be to do things God's way. If your desires are still to do things your way and not God's way and you feel no conviction about sin, then you need to seek God's word and you need to seek the Lord and you need to seek Jesus Christ. And you need to check yourself and make sure that you really have followed him and put your trust in him in the same way that David has. Let's read a little further. Verse 9. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. And all that's going on here, David is continuing to proclaim God to all who will listen. In the midst of all that's going on in his life, David is still proclaiming the Lord. Now, David is a good example for us to follow. Should we follow his sinfulness? Absolutely not. But David is a good example of what it means to live by faith. It was David's faith that defined him and not his failures that defined him. Now, when we look in Hebrews chapter 11 in the, in the New Testament, we see a lot of people from the Old Testament. And a lot of those people in that list did some bad things. They did some questionable things. They did some sinful things. But the list has to be made up of people who did sinful things because it's impossible to make a list of people up who did not do sinful things. You couldn't make a list of people who are faithful to the Lord, who are righteous men and women, who never sinned. You would have no list. There would only be one on that list. It would be Jesus Christ. Now, I suppose we could say the Bible could just be uh, the, the teachings of Jesus, and that would be it if we only wanted to have the teachings of a perfect person. But it's good for us to see in God's Word all of these people that God used. These were sinful men and women that did sinful things. But yet and still, God still loved them. God still used them. God still delivered them from whatever they were going through. He was still with them. They were still His because... Because they had faith in God. They had faith that God was who he said he was. They knew that God was the only deliverer they could have. They knew that God who was the, it was the only one that was going to bring salvation. We see that time and time again throughout the Old Testament. That salvation comes from the Lord. Now, did these people of the Old Testament know about Jesus, when he was coming, what he was going to do, and how he was going to do it? Well, probably not. Perhaps God had revealed to some of these prophets' future events. Did some of the prophets know a Messiah was coming? Absolutely they did. But I would venture to say that most of these people in the Old Testament, at least early in the Old Testament, they didn't know exactly how the deliverance was going to come from God, but they knew that salvation and deliverance was going to come from God. God had revealed that to them, and that's all they knew, and they trusted in what they knew. They trusted in the Lord, and David gives us evidence of that here. God, I trust in you. You are my salvation. He says that in this psalm. He knew that it was the Lord who was going to deliver him. 
How was the Lord going to do it? Well, he probably didn't know all the details of that, and he didn't need to because he trusted in the Lord. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting in the Lord and trusting what you don't understand and trusting things that you say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it or what you're going to do, but God, I trust that whatever you do is going to be the right thing. That's faith. When we say, I have faith in God, what we, what we should what we should have in our heart and our mind when we say that is, I'm going to trust God in whatever he does because I know God's way is the right way. Is God going to deliver me from this sickness, sickness that I have? Maybe, maybe not. Well, I have faith in the Lord. Surely he will deliver me. Well, he may make you well in this life or he may deliver you by taking you to the afterlife to be with him. To have faith in God is saying, God, I trust whatever you're going to do. God, if I'm not healed from the sickness that I'm in, well, God, I trust that that's the right thing to do. God, if you do heal me from this sickness that I'm in, God, I trust that that's the right thing to do. God, whatever choice you make, whatever things happen in my life, God, I trust that it's the right thing because you're allowing it to happen and you're perfect. That's what faith in God is. Now, I use the illustration of sickness there, but you can apply that in many different areas. To say I have faith in God and he's going to guarantee that he's going to do X, Y, and Z in this world, well, I don't believe that that's necessarily what faith is. To have faith in God, I believe, is to say, God, I'm going to trust that whatever you do is going to be the right thing. I have faith that everything that goes on, God, is the right thing because you've allowed it to happen. It may not always be the thing that we want. It may not always be what our will is, but God's will is always right. And when we say we have faith in God, what we're saying is, God, I trust you in whatever happens. That's what David had been saying in these past few chapters. He had said in 39, God, I feel like I'm going to die, but just let me feel your presence. Let me be cheered up before I die. He was still trusting in the Lord. He wasn't saying, God, uh, all right, get me through this or, or, or else, you know, I'm not going to trust in you anymore. Was he asking God to deliver him? Absolutely. Did he have faith that God could deliver him? Absolutely. But did he know God would deliver him? No, he didn't. And he said, God, look, if, if I'm about to die, just let me know that you're with me. God, I'm still trusting you even right here at the end of my life. And that's what faith is. To say, I'm going to trust God whatever happens because God's way is the best way. It's the right way. It's the perfect way. We may not always understand God's way. We may not agree with God's way. And we may even be so bold as to think our way is better than God's way. But I can tell you that your way is not better than God's way. God's way is the best way. It's the perfect way. And it's the only way. And when we say we have faith in God, what we're saying is, God, I trust that whatever you do is the right thing. Even if the results aren't what I'm hoping for, God, I know that whatever you're going to do is going to be the right thing. And that's the kind of faith that David had. David had failed in his life. He had sinned in his life. But even still, he said, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. Now, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we see a whole list of people and a lot of people that did a lot of sinful things, things that God did not approve of, but things that these men and women were forgiven of. We see Moses in the list. Well, Moses was a murderer. Rahab was in the list. Rahab was a liar. 
We see David in the list. He was an adulterer. We see Samson in the list. He was a womanizer. The men and women we see in this list were not perfect men and women. They were sinful men and women. But their sin didn't define them because their faith was greater than their failures. Even though Moses was a murderer, he still began to seek God and continued to seek God, and God was with him, and God changed Moses' life, and he changed Moses' heart as Moses went back to deliver God's people out of Israel. We see that Rahab was a liar, and yes, it spared the spies that came in that, that Rahab was able to spare as the, as the Israelites were getting ready to come into Jericho and overtake the land. Now, we may see the story of Rahab and think, boy, she's remembered because of her lie. Well, she's not remembered because of her lie. She's remembered because of her faith. Was she a liar? Absolutely. But because of her faith in God, that, 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 that lie was forgiven. It's not a pattern of how we should live our life like Rahab, not in the sense of lying, but it's a good reminder that, boy, if you're a murderer, if you're a liar, if you're a womanizer, if you're an adulterer, there is forgiveness for those sins. Some of the greatest people that God used the most in Scripture were people that had to overcome massive sins and failures in their lives. And not only do we see that in Scripture, you see it all around you. You see people in this world that are followers of Jesus Christ, maybe preachers, teachers, maybe just normal men and women walking down the street, and boy, they have come from some rough and some checkered backgrounds, and they've done some horrible things, as you and I have, just the same type of things that these heroes of faith had done in Hebrews chapter 11. And even still, even though they were sinners, God still was able to use them because they put their faith in God. Some of them suffer greatly because of their sin. Now, we may look at these passages, and some may say, but, but, but what about these in these passages? Don't that mean I can just live in sin and I'll be remembered for my great faith too? Well, if you have sin in your life and you put your faith in the Lord and that sin is forgiven, then yes, you'll be remembered by your faith for all of eternity. But if your heart is well, I'm just going to say I have faith in the Lord and I'm going to continue to sin and I don't care. Well, I'll tell you that that's not the heart of these people that we see in, this, in these passages in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll tell you this too, if you can continue and choose to live in sin, these people that we see in Scripture, their sin did not go unpunished. They suffered greatly for their sins. Moses had to leave the land he was in. He was in the palace of Pharaoh. He had to leave and was gone for years because of the murder he committed. He had to get away from that place. Samson, the womanizer, who was a hothead and seemed to have a temper and do what he wanted, guess what? The Spirit of the Lord left him, it said. And for a period of time when God was gone, his enemies had overtaken Samson. They forced him to labor. They gouged out his eyes and he was imprisoned because of his sin. At the end of his life, he called out to the Lord again. He remembered the Lord, and the Lord was with him because he had faith in God. But he suffered greatly because of his sin. And the story of David is fresh on our mind. David committed adultery, had the, had the husband of the woman that he slept with killed to cover it up. And oh, did David suffer greatly. David suffered greatly. David's family suffered greatly. He suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. David suffered greatly for his sin. It cost him a lot. But what David didn't do is say, well, I'm a child of God. I'm just going to keep sinning all I want to because I've got faith. 
That's not what David did because that's not what faith in God is. Faith in God is not a desire to keep sinning and living for the world. Faith in God is a desire to repent of our sin when we recognize there's sin in our life. David is sin, but he wasn't he, he wasn't determined to continue to live in sin. These Psalms don't say, I'm such a great sinner and look at me and God's going to love me and forgive me anyway. That's not what David said. D- David says, look, I am broken because of my sin. I am ashamed because of my sin. I feel the weight of my sin. I can't even sleep at night. I'm weeping over my sin. My bones feel crushed inside over my sin. I have no relief over my sin. My enemies are coming upon me because of my sin. God, who else can I turn to except for you? David suffered greatly because of his sin, but he repented of his sin. God heard that prayer of repentance, and God was with David, but he still had to suffer those consequences. But even through all of that, David continued to trust in the Lord. Now, there are a lot of people in Hebrews chapter 11 that we would call heroes of faith. And yes, they sinned, but so do you and I. And that passage of Scripture is a great reminder that even though we may be sinners, it doesn't mean that God will not forgive us if we put our faith in Him. That God can change our heart and change our lives just as He changed theirs. That God will be with us just as He was with them. There are a lot in that list that God delivered from their situations. Ultimately, David was delivered from this situation. But at the end of that passage, there are others listed in that list, and it says, look, these these were all killed because of their faith. Their lives were taken from them because of their faith. Read the end of Hebrews 11. But the ones that were delivered by God and the ones who gave their life to serve God, there's one thing that's true about both of them. It said they were approved by their faith. Now, we see things and say, boy, those who were delivered, they must have had greater faith than those who died. Nope, that's not what the text says. It says that they were approved by their faith. That goes to show us that, look, when we have faith in God, sometimes it will deliver us from whatever we're going through, and sometimes our faith in God may draw us to follow through on whatever we're going through. If it's to give our life for him and there are enemies coming against us and they say, look, if you don't deny the Lord or turn on the Lord, we're going to kill you. Well, it takes a lot of faith to say, you know what? I'm not going to deny the Lord. I'm going to stand up for him. And that's the example we see of some in Hebrews 11. Their faith led to their death and other people's faith led to their deliverance. But they were all approved by their faith. It was their faith that delivered them. Now you say, wait a minute, you just said they died. They weren't delivered. Yes, they were. When we put our faith in God, He will deliver us. What will that deliverance look like? Well, sometimes it'll be deliverance from things in this world. But sometimes the deliverance God gives us is deliverance out of this world. To be done with things in this world and to go to be with Him. God will deliver His people. You can count on that. Will he, make, will, he, will, he, will he allow you to get through every single thing and deliver you from everything in this world, every sickness you may encounter or every hard time you may encounter? Well, God doesn't always deliver us from those things in this world. But as soon as we take our last breath, we are delivered from this world. We are delivered from our sin. 
We're not always delivered from our situations in this life, but through God, we are always delivered from our sin. David knew that truth. He trusted in the Lord. He had faith in the Lord. He said, look, God, I feel like I'm going to die. But he trusted in the Lord and knew that ultimately, even in his death, he was going to be delivered by God. Now, I don't know who you are, where you are. I don't know what you have faith in. But I hope you have faith in the Lord. Now, I don't know what you've done. You might have done some rotten things in your life. You may have sinned greatly. We all have. But there's a whole list of people in Scripture that sinned greatly. But they were men and women who ultimately put their faith in God. They didn't continue to live in their sin. There might have been days of doubt. There might have been things that they've done wrong. But they were forgiven of their sin because they put their faith in God. Because they knew that God was a God of salvation. And that salvation was ultimately revealed through Jesus Christ. And that's where we find salvation today. There are a lot of people in the world that say, I trust in the Lord. But they only trust in the Lord as long as he does things the way they want things to be done. And if that's the case in your life, I want to tell you, you're not really trusting in the Lord. Because if we really trust in the Lord, we say, God, whatever happens in my life, God, whatever you do, I know it's right. And I'm still going to follow you. Whatever the results may be for whatever I'm praying for, whatever I'm going through, God, whatever the results of this situation may be, God, I'm still going to follow you because I trust you, because I have faith in you. There are a lot of people that say they trust the Lord. And as soon as things don't work out and happen the way they think they should, they say, God wasn't there for me. I'm not following God anymore. And it's because they really didn't trust the Lord. It's because they really didn't think that God's ways were best. That's what faith is. That's what trust is. We think and we know that God's ways are better than our ways. We know that whatever God does is the right thing. I hope you trust the Lord today. I'm talking about really trust the Lord with all your heart. I hope your faith is in the Lord. I hope you know that God will be with you and he is with you. Whatever you are going through or whatever you may go through, God will be with you. Are you living in sin? Well, you need to repent of it. If you're a child of God and you've been thinking it's okay to live in sin, then you need to repent. It's not okay for us to live in sin and there are great consequences to our sin. If we're a child of God, we need to be desiring to do what God calls us to do. And if you're not a child of God, I want to tell you there's a better world out there. Your sin looks good. I know it looks enticing. But I want to tell you it's a burden. And there's no freedom in that. There's no joy and happiness in that. But I want to tell you, if you put your faith in the Lord, if you trust Him the way David did, you can go up against enemies. You can have anything going on in your life. But if you trust in the Lord, it doesn't mean there's not going to be bad days. But the Lord is faithful to come and, and put that spark in your life and give you joy. And if you put your faith in God, He'll put a new song into your mouth. Oh, and you'll sing because you're happy. And you'll sing because you're free. God wants to deliver you today from your sin. He wants to free you from your sin. 
I hope you put your faith and trust in Him. And if you've already done that, I pray that you're living for Him today. Let's pray. God, we come to you now, and I thank you for these words. And I pray that we can learn from the life of David and the life of these others that we look at. And Hebrews 11, dear Lord, sin is never okay. And dear Lord, there are no perfect people. But we can't let that be an excuse to just keep sinning all the more. Dear Lord, we need to trust you and know that, God, you are God. You're in control. One day, we'll stand before you in judgment, dear Lord. And that's going to be a good day for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And it's going to be a bad day for those who haven't. So, dear Lord, I pray that if there are any watching this that don't know Jesus this morning, that they would trust Him. That they would really trust Him, dear Lord. That they would know that that Jesus is the only way that there can be forgiveness. Lord, that we would recognize that your way is the best, that your way is Jesus, dear Lord. And that we would accept whatever plans you have in our life, dear Lord. Whatever things that go on, that we'll know, God, that it's the right thing if you've allowed it to happen. Dear Lord, I pray that you help us never to get comfortable in our sin, but help us to desire to live for you and, and, and have a heart like you do, dear Lord. Yeah, there will be days that we'll fail, dear Lord, but give us conviction of that so that we don't feel comfortable in our sin. I pray that you help us to trust like David did. Dear Lord, sometimes we sin like David did greatly, and we suffer and feel the consequences of that. But I pray that it will ultimately draw us to faith in you and to trust in you in the same way that David did. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.